Green off off air. We were talking about kombucha. Uh, I have an update for everybody, uh, including Matt Tony, who missed last week. Uh, I got a new kombucha kombucha thing, and uh, there was like I was drinking it, and it was just as good as any other one. And there was something that like got stuck in my lip, and I wasn't really sure what it was, and I like. It was some slimy like substance. I have no idea what it was, but it came out of the bottle. And I, like, it looked like it was like it almost looked like a worm. But it, I don't know if it, I don't think it was. It wasn't living or anything, but it was some sort of like grotesque, like strand of you know fermented something. So I haven't had one since. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like it was the fermented tea. Maybe it was good for you. I don't know, but it was really gross. Google it. No, I just like it was like brown. It was like darkish brown. It was probably like three or four inches long. Literally, it's like stuck on my lip, and I'm like, and I'm like pulling it out, and it just looks like a big leafy, looky. There was no leafy, leafy feel to it. It looked more like it was. I don't know. What flavor did you get? I always get the ginger aid. Maybe it was ginger. It could have been like a ginger that had like fermented. Yeah. Oh, it looked gross. Aside from that experience with relation to the kombucha, was the drink any good? Did you enjoy the drink? Was just as good, but like after that, I was like looking into it before I took each sip, make sure there wasn't another strand of God knows what in there. And I've been a little. Probably made it good. No, I was. I've been a little mortified ever since. It's been like. You know, three or four days since I had my last one. If you want to play in the deep end, Mike, sometimes you're going to... I don't know. Just saying, I still like it, but I'm on, like, a little bit of a break because that sort of scarred me. It was really... Okay. Malcolm just killed a bee or something. Mosquito. Mosquito. Uh, So that's the update on kombucha. Kombucha. I also have an update on Uber and Lyft. Did you guys see in... There's an article in the Philly Inquirer about how traffic has gotten worse downtown and how they think it's due to Uber and Lyft being so mainstream and less people taking like the bus and such. I mean, I've seen articles about that. I haven't seen the recent ones, but I've seen you know, like, the idea of that, yeah. So that's exactly what I was saying. I was complaining about Uber and Lyft, like, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, about how like now every block... There's some car that's like got its flashers on. It's annoying. So they just confirmed exactly what I was thinking. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. I mean, I don't know if that confirms it. It's an opinion. There's been no study. Well, I mean, I think it's. I think there's bloody to it. No, it's just someone else shares your opinion. Exactly, <laughs> and it happens to be the Philadelphia Inquirer. Who knows? It could be some like hired contractor. Well, pro. I don't think I Uber, ca- like pro cabbie. 
I don't know. Well, cabs do the exact same thing, so it's not... I think it's, it's highly like relevant. A, I think it does kind of uh, connect the dots to what you were saying before in terms of just the uh, incidents and the number of uh, Uber drivers you see in the, in the car. I just like, know all the time, especially like on the weekend at nights or whatever, like there's every block there's somebody getting picked up by an Uber. Well, we're a car driving society, and this is one of the... Uh, I hear you. Like, the consequences question. of being so focused on car-centric lifestyles. I know. People don't walk enough. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's uh, part of the... The city is designed to allow it, so it is what it is. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean... If you don't put barricades to stop cars from coming in altogether, then you can't really stop this problem. Well, you're not going to write a ticket for a car that's, like... No, just... like, in European countries, they have, like, areas that are just, like, purely people, pedestrian walking areas. The cars are not allowed. Oh, yeah. Car-free zones, but that's not always in every area. But, yeah, there are certain cities nice. that try to cut down on noise pollution and other kinds of pollution. Well, I didn't actually read... I didn't read the Inquirer article because... Wait, you just saw a headline? It was the headline. I didn't read because I, I don't have a subscription. Whatever what else. said that was false at the end of the article? I mean, they would be a very misleading article, well, and I'd be upset. It's clickbait, clearly. Well, of course, and I didn't click, so forget them. Still, I think it's relevant. It'd be interesting, more interesting if you read the article. But again, that was something you should have paid attention last time. I had Tony's tips to tell you how to get around that. What was your tip? You know, to listen to an earlier episode. <laughs> I'm not re-listening my own podcast, or sorry, our podcast. Well, <laughs> the podcast. Okay, the podcast. We'll talk off air later about it. All right. So those are updates. We want our um, audience to really watch say, our earlier episodes, so we got, can't talk about it. Like, yeah. uh, solution was to that issue. I didn't really have a solution, but I think walking helps, or biking helps. I mean, maybe everybody is going to different parts of the city where you can't really walk or bike. I mean, if it's really hot outside, I don't want to walk. I've I said pay, for I can pay for an Uber. I'm gonna buy an Uber. I've said secretly to myself. Well, I know the people for years that. The city needs to work on its public transit system. Having a subway that only goes exactly north and south, and then, I mean, the L, I guess, is slightly better, because now uh, it takes... That's not happening. Well, of course it's not happening, because we can't even get, get uh, what do you call it? That's like the most expensive thing possible as a solution. I mean, it would you help a lot. A tunnel underneath everyone's house. It would, really? When I got back from London and Paris, these cities are like, literally, we didn't have a car for like, the entire trip, and we didn't have to walk more than like a few blocks. Yeah, like they were bombed, destroyed. And so it was easy to rebuild it in a way that made it like you could have, uh, provide and allow for that. I I don't know if those Philadelphia is like how old Philadelphia? Hundreds of years old. London is not an old city. They have so... been bombed like London. So the fact that it was bombed made it such that they could make it a more modern city. Yeah, they developed the city in a way because the subway tunnels were where all the people survived. I understand that, but... They realized this is a good investment. Okay. We're getting off topic. It, was for, it literally was for future preparation for war. Okay, this is the updates. This is supposed to be short, sink, whatever. It on the city in terms of the history of the... What about London? They clearly build out more subways to allow for more people to like hide in the subways if there ever was potential. Well, I'm sure the subway system, knowledge. even in World War II, was better than the subway system this city has. Maybe. All right, well, I'll call London tomorrow. Um, so we're getting into our first topic. Um, I forgot to say this is episode 13. You can follow us at the Philadelphia or the Philly M on Twitter and email us at the Philadelphia Millennial at gmail.com. And uh, our episodes are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, so travel is our first topic. Um, I've had this one for a while. Um, 
I want to discuss like your top, let's say three to five neighborhoods as far as where you would ideally prefer to live in this city. You understand? Why are you looking at me like that? I understand what you're asking. So basically I'm saying like, where do you like to hang? I mean, it can be like where you like to hang out. It could be where you like to live. There's overlap, but there's also disconnect between those two. So Matt, why don't you go first? All right, sure. Uh, you know, I think it really depends who you're looking for. But, you know, for me, I'm looking for a little bit of distance between, I guess, center city, but enough proximity. So, you know, I do like the graduate hospital neighborhood. I think that there's a lot that has to be for sure. offered. There's a lot that has to offer. Uh, okay. Specifically, you know, access to uh, the Schuylkill River. Um, you know, I think that's also kind of good. I think Queens Village and Old City would be another um, interesting neighborhood. You know, there's a lot of history in Old City, but also similar principle in terms of Queens Village being oh, yeah. in close proximity to uh, Old City and Central City. So would those be your three graduate hospitals? I guess hospital? those are my two answers. I kind of combined the two. For okay. Um, <laughs> What's the third? It's a tough, it's a tough question. Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of good things, a lot of neighbors. I think South Valley would be a good... A good choice, you know. There's definitely a lot of uh, interesting thing what do you things happening right now. East what Pashing Square around that area would be a good place to live. Oh, right yeah. now. Uh, so I, I forgot to say, I made oh, a list. I made a list of, uh, uh, not restaurants, of neighborhoods, and this isn't exactly all inclusive. But I've got Old City, Rittenhouse, Gaberhood, Chinatown, Graduate Hospital, Fairmount, Bella Vista, Queen Village, Northern Liberties, Fishtown, Fort Richmond, and then what did you say? You said, um... Like East South Philly. East Passion is really nice, yeah. So yours was Graduate Hospital, a tie between Queen Village, Old City, and then South Philly ish. You're missing Francisville. That's not bad. It's like nothing. Also, also Brewery Town. That's a place. Brewery West Town. Philly has also not been discussed at all. University City, West Philly, yes, yes. I just said it was not all inclusive. That's right. Um, but my criteria, I guess, was close proximity to the city, but enough, you know, distance to so kind of right. have a neighborhood feel. Okay. What about Malcolm? What do you What do you say? I like Fiddler Square. Fiddler Square. Okay. Yeah. A small area, but okay. I just like having greens. I like the, being near Fairmount too. So Fairmount is that another one? Yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, I'll just stick with the two. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so this, I'm gonna go through, I guess, and say what I dislike about each neighborhood as far as as far as living. We'll say that Old City. My problem with Old City has always been this dead zone that's between like Fifth and like Eleventh Street before you get to the neighborhood. There's like nothing there. I was just walking. I was just riding my bike back from it to the other day, and it was like Old City ends around like Fifth Street, and then it's a whole bunch of like. Not much. Until well, it depends you, on how you look at it. Like, the river's there. Well, but know? what does the hospital do for me? I'm just saying, that's what occupies that space. You're like, what? Nothing's there. Like, not yeah, a hospital. True. True. But well, I mean, it's only five blocks. So you're really criticizing. Yeah, Washington Square is really nice, I think. I don't know, it is. But I guess the hospital, and then it's also just, like, not a really, like, what could you really hot area. I don't know. It's a hospital. People go there because Okay, really so that's why happen. it's kind of, like, not as appealing. But Old City. That's been always been my knock because it like you know you have to go through like a, a wasteland it's of five like blocks. Tourist trap. And that nah, there's way too many tourists. Um, Rittenhouse is on my list. It's probably not my top whatever because it's too bougie to borrow a term. Too close to Center City would be my point about Rittenhouse. It's, just, it's too yeah. expensive. It's too I feel like if I lived there, I'd be living with like rich people and like older people. It's not like. Like, most people, like, millennials don't live in Rittenhouse. 
depends on the millennial. They can live on like the skirts, on the outskirts of it and stuff, and like you know, kind of shitty places. But you don't. It's just you don't get a, a good bang for your buck. Gaberhood is awesome. I love the gaberhood, but it's expensive. I think that's really my only knock. And it's also like right downtown. Chinatown. I don't know. I don't have anything to say. Uh, good food. Good food too. Graduate hospital. Good people. Late night food. Good late night. Food. I really like Graduate Hospital and like the other side of Broad Street, Queen Village, Bella Vista, whatever you want to call it, because it basically gives you all of like South Street and all that. Yeah, it gives you all of South Street, the neighborhood, like the restaurants between here and downtown, like you know around Spruce Street and Pine or whatever else. And also, you can get to East Passyunk without a lot of fuss. So I like those areas. And you're right by the train to go. You're going to get Northern Liberties and all those places. Yeah, so yeah. So there's a lot. So the neglected areas are Northern Liberties, Fishtown, and up that way in the Northeast. My knock on that has always been you got to take the L to get there. It's so like far out that way. But I have to admit, I was in Northern Liberties slash Fishtown like a month or so ago on a date. And it was like popping. It was really nice. It was like they had like outdoor music at the piazza, and they had all these bars and restaurants. It was real legit. No, it's a, it's a great neighborhood to live in. Definitely, you know, because I think the distance from Center City is part of the reason you have to take right. the L. At the end um, of the day, I'd rather live here and then like go there occasionally, like you know, as needed. It's definitely a fun neighborhood. I know people live up there, and like you know, they they really enjoy living there. They have a hard time seeing themselves leaving. Right. Oh yeah, Fairmount. I'm not a big fan of Fairmount. It's too isolated by being on the other side of uh, the Ben Franklin Parkway. Malcolm? Okay. I mean, I don't feel that way. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> a few blocks. <laughs> yeah, but I used to live out, out that way, and it was like coming to Center City, it's just like there's nothing along the way. You know, it's nice to walk through like a neighborhood or like places where you can stop. You have to walk at least like several blocks before you get to like anything, you know? Where were you living? I was living just south of the parkway, I guess, which is not even really, which is not Fairmount, it's more like art museum, but I didn't like it because you had to walk like several, several blocks to get to any like food establishment or anything, like bar or restaurant of note. I think like that's not Fairmount. You're talking about Cherry okay, Street, I, right? I know, like, I know, but like, you know. I forget what that area is called. It's called, it's Logan Circle. Right? Logan Square, Logan, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Fairmount, it's like. Fairmount. <laughs> you're talking okay. <laughs> but Fairmount, if you want to leave Fairmount, it takes a little to get anywhere you else. You don't have to nowadays. It's got everything you want there. Okay, fine. If you're content with hanging out in Fairmount. Target, it's got the art museum. They, they, have, the they have revamped it a ton with adding Whole Foods and like whatever else. That it's whole, got a decent food scene, it seems like. Yeah, decent. I think it seems that way because, like you're saying, the L doesn't go there. The you know, the public transit does it. Yeah, I mean, if if All like my I said, to live out there, I really enjoy it. So, okay, forget it. Fairmount's fine. Um, all right, we'll move on. Uh, hopefully, people don't hold it against me for trashing the neighborhoods. Oh, you know, every teach his own, whatever. Um, so our next topic is movies. And I was informed beforehand that neither of you guys have seen this film, but it's we, we're going on anyway. Dunkirk, neither of you guys have seen it? Boring. I like the director a lot. I intend to yeah, see I was going to say, I Chris Van Nolan. Because I want to you know, give it the time. Do you know what it's about? Deserves. Yeah, I know what it's about. Oh. I know Dunkirk. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Jeez. I'm familiar with the history. Um, I like more modern stories. 
He didn't like Saving Private Ryan? I mean, I'd like to, but I just feel like it's slow. Oh, kind man. Of know what happens. It's uh, cool that it, like, he just did it artistically. It's great. I just, I don't know, the story's not that interesting. All right, anyway, the topic isn't necessarily about Dunkirk. It's about movies and TV in general. And about how, like, dialogue is, like, becoming a lost art. And increasingly, movies are more just focused on, like, special effects. I guess another example would be, like, are the Marvel... All the Marvel films. I know you guys have seen that, seen that crap. Yeah, what about it? I mean, do you like them a lot? They're entertaining. I mean, I, I want more out of a film than to be entertained. Maybe I'm just naive, well, but... What you go into the movies I want to be... Expecting. I want to be moved. I want to have a moving experience. Movie to move me. Yeah. Um, he likes that. <laughs> Mike just wants to cry. It sounds like in a movie. Well, I mean, that's what a movie experience is supposed to do. Especially there are like movies. From a I mean, that's not true. Yeah. I like it for escapism. Well, well there are movies. That's what the their emotive response. Okay, just but, that you enjoy the escape for two hours. Other people I'm look like, for a different experience. I'm just like, all right, in this but like, world, doing something different. But like, there are movies where you go and you understand it's going to be pure, just like guilty entertainment, and that's fine. But like the other sort of movie, which I sort of like. And like you know the cut the type that usually win an Academy Award sort of thing, they like have they entertain you, but they also have some sort of greater message about the world or some you know sect of it. Like those sort of movies, I feel like are a dying breed because television does it better. Well, television has gotten better. But anyway, no, you like the drama, and the television's better at drama now. They can tell you twelve episodes of a movie. One episode. Well, yeah, but either it's way, it's totally the case. Though. People were able to make good movies 10, 20 years ago. Well, now there's more people that can make more movies in a variety yeah, of different as, ways. As far as that medium is concerned, you, you don't really get as much attention towards these types of storytelling. I think those movies are out there. I just don't think you, they get the attention as much. And there's well, probably some great filmmakers. You know, it depends. You keep an, an ear or not to that. Industry. I don't know. I think the problem is that what like. What are you talking about, Mike? Did you see that uh, Academy Award winner? No, I didn't see it. So which is why I say it's a dying breed. Cause you say you like those movies, you don't even see the best one that's won the award that's like so Because it looked like crap. How? It's the best one ever. It's like everything you'd want in a movie. The Shape of Water? No, the other one. With the, that's the one that won. The one before last year before that one. The African-American family. Uh, family the, the guy who's like gay, like three stages of his life. Oh, uh, Moonlight. Yeah, Moonlight. That was good. You saw it? <laughs> yeah, it was good. That's like exactly up your alley, I feel like, what you're talking right, about. Right, right, right. But like, you know, I feel like the ninth... I've, look, I've looked at the Wikipedia the page. dumb. It's dumb. Well, exactly. Dumb. That's what I mean. Like, the last like five years, best picture winners have been real hit or miss, which is what I'm really trying to draw attention to. Like, come on. I mean, it was like the artist, no dialogue, wins. Never saw it. I didn't I don't, see it either. I don't listen to what the Academy tells me to look. Well, that's true. But like, like Shape of Water, I didn't see that. But I heard it was a snooze fest. I mean, it's just like... I like actors. I don't like movies. I like actors. I like directors. You know, it depends on... You know, I heard First Reformed was really good. It so it really depends. You know, sometimes like, there's some great films. Or a director that, I like. Like he's... Like Matt Tony said. Oh, yeah, I thought you said you don't like actors. You like movies. No, no, no I like actors. I, oh, I, so I you focus on the actor. the actor. I like that actor. Okay, I guess. They're talented. They choose good scripts, or the director does good movies. I mean, maybe it's just like an infatuation with like the 19, films of the 1990s and early 2000s, but I just feel like the dialogue was better, and there was more of it, and now it's increasingly like away from that. Yeah, because you make 
billion dollars making a Marvel movie, that's, and then you can make a billion dollars I think making that's, a drama on TV. I think that's the problem because it's like a it's a saturated market. Like you're going to get people going regardless of whether it's a decent movie. That's not true. I think it's true. The last Star Wars films were crap, and I went and saw both of them. We'll see how long that energy continues. Well, I've already vowed not to see the next Star Wars film. I'm very determined. I'm just saying, like, when it comes to film, it's all about how the money comes. If money doesn't come, the movie doesn't happen. Then we'll get a second one. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people went and saw it. Like they're investing like half a billion dollars in companies. I do think movies. a lot of people well, who would have otherwise tried to tell a movie, like write a movie, they're now writing like a TV series because it's a better medium. There's more money to be made. And I don't know. There's probably less barriers to entry to get into that medium. On that, there's so many better ways for now creative writers to make money in TV. That's part of it. I think. So you think it's a shift to TV? They, All that. Well, there's and Netflix in itself. Netflix is. They're spending $8 billion on It's about content. It's not even year. about the quality of the content in some regards. as much as Comcast almost spends. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. Comcast doesn't create the content. They buy the content from the creative studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I'm just saying, so Netflix, there's all this, these new opportunities. Yeah, I mean, the game has changed. Writers that are I talented hate. to go there and make a lot of money. Okay, so the creative energy and writing good scripts and whatever else is going to TV. Well, you see a lot of channels also developing. A lot of people who are like, quote unquote, talented and creative in this whole social media world are like creating these, like, you know, YouTube channels or whatever to try to produce their own content and like their own short storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so that's becoming pretty popular. There's a lot of alternatives out there. But again, it's about ways of making money. Um, and you see, you know, cables dying. You know, people are using the internet in all these interesting ways to try to monetize their own interests and whatever it might be. So yeah. we'll see what develops. I mean, my my end fear is that it's going to get to the point where we're not even communicating at all in films anymore, and we're just going to be barking at each other like monkeys. I saw a pretty interesting uh, saw a pretty interesting interview on BBC. It was like this <laughs> photographer. Barks, by the way. Oh yeah, barking like dogs, monkeys. <laughs> what do monkeys do? They just talk. Yeah, I guess. What does a monkey do? This BBC uh, interview was talking about this photographer, and this guy was like a, a real you know, art critic, and he had been a photographer his entire career, and he was sort of getting to the point that he says that he hates iPhones, and that iPhones are kind of ruining photography. And so this sort of information overload of all these photographs that people have on their phone for all these different experiences, they don't even have you know, so much more attention to the subjectivity of each shot and everything like that. And so he's saying, this isn't photography. What Can somebody give me a word to describe what it is? I'm trying to figure it out. Let me know. Such as how it ends interview. But like, it's that sort of thing where like, what you think of as movies or film is changing. Sort of like you're getting across. Well said, Matt Tony. Uh, so we'll go to nightlife uh, for our third category. This is a sort of relationship one thing. Uh, so I was at a wedding a week or two ago, as I shared in my last episode, and um, a lot of people were asking, like, oh, you seen somebody, blah, 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 and I was like, no, not really. Um, and I've thought about it multiple times that my biggest problem with dating is that, you know, like, my partner wants to spend more and more time with me in a given week, and I don't. Like, I'm pretty okay with, like, you know, two days a week seeing somebody, you know, like three, I guess. But like spending seven days a week with somebody. And I was thinking about the song, like eight days a week with Beatles. Like, I don't know what the, who the hell they were dating. 
but I would I didn't date him. I'm like a two to three day guy. Three is pushing it like hard. I mean, how do you feel about that? Are these like weekends, two three days? Or, like no, not including the weekend. Including the weekend. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, how serious are you? Well, I'm as serious as I'm willing to get. Apparently, as much as I can get out of two or three days, that's how much how serious we are. But is that a placeholder to keep it from being serious, right? That, that's what you got to ask. Well, it's about. just like after two or three days in a given week with this person, I'm like, you know, I need some me time. I'd like to hang out with my friends or whatever else. Like, I don't want to hang out with anybody for seven days a week. I don't want to hang out with, you know, like... Are they really trying to hang out with you seven days a week? Well, if you're in a long-term committed relationship, you're with that person seven days a week, right? That depends. I feel like that you don't have to be, you know. I mean... I feel like the only way to do that is to live together. It, right, exactly. If you're married, you're with that person seven days a week. And my problem with that is, like, being with anybody seven days a week is really hard. I'm like a two or three. You know? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a serious relationship if it's at that stage, though. Well, right, but like, don't you, do you I have? I think a, it's all. It all depends. Like, you wouldn't think that if it was maybe a different person. I guess, but like, I've never met, never quite met a person that I wanted to see every day. Like, I have a lot of good friends. I don't want to see them every day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea, but I You're think you know, we can't necessarily think that it's going to apply in all cases. True. I love my mother. I don't want to see her every day. Do you want to marry your mother? <laughs> no, but I'm Why saying your mother this? <laughs> I'm saying if love is like the uh, you know we're focusing on, I love like you know my siblings and whatever well, else. But I don't. Love. Well, There's obviously, love. have you ever been in a relationship where it was like you were maxed out at like two days a week or one day a week? A relationship or like a like a, a thing? Someone? I mean, yeah, that's a sign. I don't want to date them anymore. It's a sign you don't want to date them anymore? If you don't want to spend more time with them, I mean, typically you get in a relationship to see if you like spending time with them. But person. sometimes there's like a comfortability so level. It's like, yeah, we'll hang out once a, a week, uh, twice a week. understanding where if there's communication involved. There's stages, I think, to yeah. kind of where you are and that person is what they want, you want. Person, yeah. what you want for it. There are certain stages of a relationship where it's like, before you get like too far along where it's like, you know, you see each other once a week and then it gets a little more whatever and then two or three times a week. I've never gotten past the two or three times a week where I'm just like, oh, I want to see more and more of them. Usually it's just like, you well, know. this is why we find you here today, single. I guess, but I got other stuff to do. I mean, like, I don't know. I can't be like immersed that much in one person. I mean, it's just like. You, you are know. though, in yourself. Well, except me, except me. That's the only. But am I the only person? You don't know. You don't ever feel that way. I mean, I like my me time, but like, I feel like going in a relationship. The point of the relationship is to determine if this is someone I want to spend. Exactly, like, but ex <laughs> you want to find somebody you can spend every day with. Obviously, not like every hour of every day, because you each sort of have your separate lives. But like, haven't you ever found yourself in a relationship where you sort of like max out at a few days? Well, what does that say for the relationships where like you don't even communicate with them every week or every two weeks or every three weeks? Is well, that not like that's not even a relationship? So that's what I'm saying any form or content. What you're saying about this three times a week or whatever? Well, like, you know, that, maybe we'll text and whatever every day, but we won't actually hang out except a few times a week. I feel like that's like most relationships I've been in. Is that bad? Do you have relationships? Have you had relationships where you saw the person every day in the given week? 
I've never have. I think it depends on you know. Are people they are looking living by themselves? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah you got to ask yourself what you're doing in those, in those three times you're hanging out every week, right? I mean, it's like I guess. I don't if, know. They have, if they have a roommate, you don't have to be there. If they don't have a roommate and they have their own place, and you're like, oh, I don't want to hang out with you, and you're getting to that stage in a relationship, that's kind of weird. I've never been to that stage in a relationship. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm just saying, like, where the if they're, it's like you're at that stage. She lives by herself, and she's like, why don't you want to hang out with me more? I don't know. It's a lot of time to spend with one person. Well, don't they have friends? Apparently not, it sounds like. Well, no. I mean, yeah. Like, what if she wants to go and do something with her friends one night? I don't know. I'm like, I don't need well, to sleep over. that. I don't or know. me, too. What if I want to go out with friends? Either way, it sounds very hard. I'm not. sure they would think, you know, if they're seeing this person and work, they had their so. free time, that, you know, maybe they'd want to spend time with them. It doesn't seem like it. Well, you say that, too. But, like, have you ever been in a relationship where you were sleeping over at a girl's place every night or vice versa? Okay, so I'm not the only one who's got dating troubles or industry troubles, whatever the hell you want to call it. It depends on the person you're dating. It's not like, you know, well, if of you course. really wanted to be there, want you it, be there. Girls typically want more than guys. I don't know. But I just know, for me, it's been a problem. I haven't been in a relationship where it's girls like... Girls like sleepovers. I like... I mean, they're okay sometimes. During they the week... Like the, they, like, they think it's fun. Well, it was fun when I was eight. But, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe, I don't think I'm the only one. I think, uh, I think people understand what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's a personal thing. You have your own personal space. Sometimes people in relationships, they may not have that, you know, right balance. You know, I'm trying to give you your personal space. But again, I think it depends on the person. You wouldn't have so much of a phobia of that person if you really, you know, cared more about it than, like the person. But Right. I think it just all it all depends. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still looking. Um, all right, so I we're about thirty minutes in, but I know Tony really wants to talk about this, so we'll go into it. This is our work topic, kind of, but it's mostly about Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technology. I got a couple of friends that are all about it. Love that shit. Can't stop talking about it. Literally to the point where I have to be like, look. I don't want to hear anymore. Um, I, I got to be honest. I've been, I like, have been lectured about it. I've like, not really read about it, but I sort of in theory understand it, and I don't really grasp it. Like one of my friends said, he think it's going to be as innovative to the world as the internet, and I just wanted to like smack him across the face because I was like, no, that's not possible. Mad Tony, you said you're a big dude about it. What do you have to say? I mean, just a big uh, schism in like financial theory. You know, some people really just have a very narrow interpretation of what value might mean, and as far as what practical value exists, if it's not backed by you know governments or certain currencies or resources, they say there's not as much legitimacy. However, I think that it's about the existence of markets, and so when you look at the way that uh, currencies are you know distributed and um, the popularity of certain currencies, there's there's obviously a certain time element to that so as far as the adoption of these alternative currencies it's just that's what it's about it's not even about necessarily whether or not they have value it's about whether people will adopt them and so obviously you know they have an interest in trying to people a lot of people have a, an interest in trying to undermine the legitimacy of, of these p- currencies potentially becoming so widely circulated so it really depends on who you're asking well 
here's the thing. I understand its value for people that live in third world countries and other countries where like you don't necessarily trust the currency of the place you're living. Like if you're living on in like a dictatorship or you know very environment that has an economy that's not nearly as stable as ours. Instead of, you know, like saving up whatever the local currency is, all you need is an internet connection and you can buy a Bitcoin. And I understand that Bitcoin is sort of like separate from banks and there is no, you know, center. And I understand how like the blockchain technology makes it such that, you know, it's very difficult to hack. But for guys like you and me who are sitting in the United States with, you know, pres presumably a um, robust economy that's not going to fluctuate any more than any other economy. I mean, what is really the big deal besides it's, you know, an investment that has the high lucracy, I don't know if that's a word, but can be highly lucrative. Well, this is what I'll say. I think I agree with you in a lot of what you're saying. And there's a lot of interest in spreading disinformation so that some people can be the first to reach the goal and all that. But like, what I wanted to ask is why are these people who are so interested in uh, these uh, financial markets considering the adoption of these cryptocurrencies as some kind of existential threat? That's what I have a hard time understanding. I've talked to a lot of people who work well, in finance any... and economy. No, I think a lot of them, they try to rationalize its illegitimacy and the fact that it won't necessarily have a problem. Well, I don't have any problem with its existence. Or I don't, you know, I'm not one of those people saying like they should get rid of it. I just, you know, for most, for people like us, you know, living in a, you know, high up country, whatever, I just, I mean, it's, you know, like any other investment, it doesn't have the utility that people in other countries would get out of it. It depends. I mean, even in the description you gave, you know, there could be a market where it could be used. That's the point I'm making is that the, the adoption of the currency and the utility of it really, it, it, that's what has to happen. I mean, if there is going to be some kind of value to this. That said, you look at the way that the market is responding, sure, the value fluctuates, but there's still people buying Bitcoin, there's still people exchanging it, therefore uh, validating its utility and producing value by virtue of its use and circulation. So again, I think there are certain people who are going to figure out a way to make money off of it just like everything. And, you know, it has mm -hmm. some, you know, obvious benefits aside from just what we're saying in terms of creating new markets and, um, you know, more forms of exchange. That's what I think people get lost in is just... They, they look at it as some kind of hedge or they, they don't see it as this auxiliary form of currency. And I think that, you know, like I said, people have this idea of what it could be used for illicit grounds and there's a lot of yeah. stigma with it. That's part of the problem because people don't know. Well, it's, it's to a certain extent it's true because it's unregulated and it's free, which is why it's innovative, but it's also why, I guess, you know, your people at Charles Schwab or whatever could be like, oh, I don't know, I don't like that. Um, the other problem I've had with investing in general, stocks or especially Bitcoin, is I still to this day do not understand like what makes the price go up and down. Like I understand like if like people like a bunch of people buy, then like the price goes up, but like literally, who makes the price go up? That's why these alternative currencies are valuable Fires. because say those currencies go down, it's like I mean, a hedge against that currency a, in the market. It's yeah, good. Sorry, sorry. There's a finite supply of talking Bitcoin about crypto available and or stocks at any given point. Right, but like, let's say the price of like a GM stock is like sixty dollars. Who literally changes that price up, like to sixty oh one or sixty oh two in a given day? The market. The market does. But like, the market what? 
So there's like institutional investors outside of like the primary investors of like Comcast, for example. You have Brian Roberts has like twenty percent of the of all the stock, or enough to have a majority. Uh-huh. And then you have companies like Vanguard, Citibank, yada yada yada, and they own in the aggregation these banks maybe another 20%. Yeah. And then you have hedge funds that own another 10%. Sure. And then you have people like you and I who own the other 10%. Okay. And so it moves when those hedge funds, because they own significant portions, start moving around some of their money based off analyst calls that occur quarterly where the company will give a performance update to the Wall Street bankers but as to how they're performing in relation to their I understand why it moves, but I don't understand who moves it. Like, literally, like, ha- at what point does somebody decide that we're going to sell this st- their stock is worth $60.01 or $60.05? Or, like, you know, like, because it's trading at 60 bucks. So, like, what? who literally makes the ticker go up or go down? Wall Street. Like, the New York Stock Exchange. Like, the business, the exchange itself. So, there's there literally some guy there with, like, a... a machine now. It used to be a person. It's a machine. And it goes up or down based on the sell, the selling, and the buying of that sold asset. Like, so that's all. Asset stock. It's all. That's not some huge like. Because me, I'm thinking of like some guy that literally there's has a huge plus button and a huge minus button, and he just like does this, you know, at whim. Like. No. So like, as a company, you decide to be listed on a certain stock exchange. Yes. And that stock exchange is what manages your listing and its price in a given day. And based off that performance of so it's some sort of computer itself. system that determines what you know has all these factors. Well, it's you know, just a computer that manages it, but it's simply just like I have a hundred shares. Yeah, I sold my hundred shares in my IPO for twenty five dollars originally. Yeah, now people want to buy my shares on the market for forty five dollars. So I'm going to sell them my shares for forty five dollars, and it just keeps exchanging hands until someone says, "Hey, I don't want to sell this at this. I don't want to buy this at this price." And then some groups will just pure buyers. They just want to, they'll buy, say someone wants to sell at a price because they're afraid of what might happen. You might have some other institutional investors who say, hey, I think there's upside in this. I'll take this risk and then buy that. And so you can sell it at the either gain or loss that you might have incurred on that original purchase. I don't know. It still sounds fishy. There's also like futures. There's like more and more to this where it's like people make bets on their bets, on their bets, bets. There's so much betting. Like if you were to know in the in Wall Street, there's almost I think an upwards of twelve times the amount of money in futures exchange between institutional bankers than there are currently present in the economy. I don't really understand what that means. Like in the futures market, these banks are making bets where they're exchanging money on the outcome of the world and the in the future outcome of the world. That is twelve times the current amount of money that currently exists in our economy. But they're playing with that much money in that space. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's all it's financial made-up numbers. Like I was saying, that's why the cryptocurrency they have an interest in saying that there's no legitimate value. Mad Tony thinks it smells. It's, well, it's just basically just saying, hey, I think in five years oil will be $1,000. And someone says, I'll take that bet. I, hear I might take that bet and hedge that bet and say, I think in five, three years. No, no, I understand. So that the whole policy. idea of like computer controlling how the price rises and fall and blah, 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 it's just still a little fishy. There's going to be cryptocurrencies that companies will come out with. Like Apple probably will have its own currency one day. Like yeah. it, it's just technology, that's new technologies. Said. That's really what's happening. Amazon has their own currency. Yeah, there you go. So it's, right. more, like, really it's coming, it. get used Gift to it, learn to general. adopt it. That's what yeah. I was, was the beginning of it to some extent. 
Alright, so usually I like ending on a light note. And because we're already running... Can I just make one more point? Uh, yes. We talked uh, about Bitcoin. It's when Bitcoin and blockchain are totally different. Well, it's the technology. Blockchain is what's like exciting, not Bitcoin. But block, Bitcoin uses blockchain technology, Yeah, but it? blockchain can be applied not just across currency. It can be applied across multiple... I know, I understand that. Saying, like, Bitcoin is just one variation of what blockchain can do. I understand. If you meant Bitcoin in a more general you universe. You just talked about Bitcoin and talked about cryptocurrency, like alternative currencies. All you're offering is alternative currency in your conversation. That's it. <laughs> it's just a secondary currency. That's not what I was saying. In general. What is your... Financial and, uh, institutions sure. have an interest in defining in very narrow terms. That's all. That's all I said. And what is... What is otherwise, go ahead. Malcolm, I, what I is your addition? Well, it's really just like with the blockchain technology. You're trying these to companies poke holes in that what Bitcoin is. He meant Bitcoin in a general sense. I think most of the viewers and audience thought that. Uh, well, just, just go on. No, you can just share information between different corporations, groups, people, anonymously now. And there's a general ledger that tracks that. Mm -hmm. That's like, you get given a key to have access to information, and only you can access this information with this key at this time. And no one else can access that information in this key, and you can only see this amount of things. And before, there wasn't that type of capability to be able to share this type of information with that type of exclude like that. So it's uh, added protection. security. I think it's like added security, like cybersecurity stuff. It has like potential. I understand it has huge ramifications, or it could have huge ramifications, like on a global scale, amongst businesses and whatever else, right? Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, it's good and bad at the same time. All right, it takes jobs away. Uh, so that's the conclusion, conclusion of episode 13. Um, uh, hit us up uh, on Twitter at the Philly M and at the, the Philadelphia Millennial at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.